0: You look like a genius. And what leadership sees is like, oh my goodness, she's thinking about all of the things. She's setting us up for success. She's making sure we don't go off the rails. She's getting us exactly what we need. Let's make sure to put her on every single project. The more that you slow down to manage up, to scope your work, to help leadership at your company, to help your boss understand what it is they are asking you to do, the more that you take on that role, the higher quality your project execution and outcomes will be. Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that helps professional women access the limitless potential that lies within them. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik. And my mission is to help you find that spark inside you that has the power to transform your career in ways you may not have thought possible. I'm so excited that you're here. And now on to the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Jess. I'm the host and creator of the Art of Speaking Up podcast, and, I am a career coach for ambitious women. I help women in the corporate and nine-to-five space build lasting confidence, find a super powerful, effective communication style, and really advance upwards and thrive in their careers. And I'm so excited to be coming to you on today's episode of the podcast because I am talking about something that I've never talked about on the podcast before. And that is the topic of managing up. It's something that I think, you know, when we're in that corporate world, we all have a sense of, okay, I should be managing up. That is an expected part of what I need to be doing to be successful. But what exactly does that look like? And there are lots of ways that it could look. And I wanted to record a two-part episode series on one of the big foundations of managing up, which is how to manage up around a new big project or a new big piece of work that you are being asked to do. I figured that probably one of the best ways to help you get good at this and to teach this to you is to link it to something really concrete. And so, what I'm going to be talking about in this two part series is how you manage up specifically when you get put on a big project. What exactly does that look like? And of course, hopefully, you're getting put on big projects and you will continue to get put on bigger and bigger projects and more and more complex projects as you grow in your career and as you have wins and as you have successes. And the bigger the project and the more complex the project, I would argue the more important it is to manage up. And I'm specifically in this two-part episode series, I'm going to be talking about managing up at the very beginning of the project because this is the most critical place to begin the process of managing up. What we typically do when we get a project, and I'm guilty of this too, I've done this too, is I think we have this sort of desire to over-deliver, to really show our boss that we're on it, we're going to move it forward quickly, we're going to succeed. And so as soon as we get the project, we want to start. We want to hit the ground running. We want to move quickly. We don't want to dilly-dally. But the problem with that is when you jump right into something new, you miss the opportunity to slow down to scope the project, to make sure the project has proper scope, proper foundations, proper timeline, all of that falls under the umbrella of managing up. And that actually helps you be more effective when you do jump into the execution of the project. I think about it as slowing down to speed up. Before you start a new project, you want to slow down at the beginning so that you can speed up once it comes time to execute. And for those of us who are high achievers and who like to move really quickly, I like to move really, really quickly. I sometimes feel like the Looney Tunes Tasmanian devil in the pace that I sometimes like to go at when I'm like in a groove working on something. But for those of us who like to go fast, who like to get started, who are ambitious, type A, like don't don't wanna waste a lot of time, Slowing down can feel uncomfortable, but I want to offer to you something that I say often, particularly if I'm working with a client on time management and we're having to slow down to help them like reorganize their time and get time back, which feels hard to do because it's like if you don't have time to do all your tasks, how are you going to find time to slow down to prioritize your tasks? But when it comes to slowing down, I think we tend to really miss the nuance that the pace and speed at which we accomplish something is not necessarily related to how fast we feel like we're going. So we can feel like we're slowing down and we can feel like we aren't moving quickly. But that slowing down time, if it's being used in a strategic and thoughtful way, even though it doesn't quote unquote feel fast to slow down and scope things and manage up and get strategic... Even though it doesn't feel like we're moving quickly, it contributes to a more efficient pace of work. So this is so important. This will literally change your life. I'm still working on this in my own growth and it is life changing for me, but it will change your life when you realize that just because you feel like you're going fast and you feel emotionally like you're getting a lot done, just because you feel that way, it doesn't actually mean you're going at your optimal pace. And you can do things that feel slow, feel like you're doing less, feel like you're slowing down your speed, and you could actually be getting more done. And for me, I think this is really good news because I want to have a pace that feels good. Like I don't want to have to feel like I always have to be going fast to be effective, right? And so it's just something to think about is the fact that sometimes going slow contributes to an overall faster speed of execution And that can be really hard to see. But these episodes on managing up are a really good example of that. Because what I'm going to be asking you to do and telling you to do before you start a new project is to slow down and have a period where you're planning and scoping the project and you're managing up and you haven't actually begun the execution of what you've been asked to do. And it's going to feel like you're going slow. Guarantee you, though, if you're working on projects that are cross functional and complicated this slowing down is definitely going to give you speed on the back end. Okay, so in part one, what I'm going to talk about is what it means to scope a project and manage upwards before you actually begin the execution of a project and why it's so important. And then in part two, I'm going to walk you through the how and the steps of how to do that. This is something that I did a lot of when I was in my 9-to-5 career, particularly when I was working at McKinsey. So my first job in my 9-to-5 career was at McKinsey & Company, which is this really big global management consulting firm. And anytime we started a new project, we always went through a scoping phase. And this scoping phase is where you're clarifying what exactly is the goal of the project how you're planning to achieve that goal, what the timeline looks like, who's going to be involved, all of the details, right? You're also surfacing some of the roadblocks and obstacles that could come up and things like that. You're basically slowing down to map in detail what it is you're going to do before you start doing it. And often we skip this because we're eager to go And this scoping phase can, like I said, it can feel slow and it can feel frustrating because you're not actually starting the project. You're just talking about the project. However, I will say I did this type of project scoping and managing up and managing expectations for the project because I learned to do this at McKinsey, which was the first place I worked in my nine-to-five career. I brought that habit with me into my corporate career. And pretty much any time I was asked to do any new project, the first thing that I would do was put together a scoping document and have a review of that with my primary stakeholder, who was typically my manager or one of the more senior members of my team. I did corporate strategy. So one of the more senior members of the corporate strategy team. And I did this for most projects. Now, there are some projects, if you get asked to do something that's very simple, very clear, very straightforward... And it's just something that everyone kind of knows how this type of project goes and how it's run. You don't need to do this, but you do want to be doing this for projects that either have a high level of complexity. And this is especially important, projects where there's an element of it that's new. So it might be a new type of project that you've never worked on before, that your boss has never asked you to do before. It might be new in that you've done this type of project, but maybe never at this large of a scale, right? So maybe you're doing something on a much bigger scale. It might be new in the sense of you've done the project before, but maybe there are lots of new people like who have joined your company or new people that are going to be involved that haven't been involved before. Whenever something feels new, Even if it's just one angle and one element of the project, that should be your cue to slow down and go into a phase of scoping out the project and managing upwards and managing expectations for the project, which like I said, we're going to talk about how to do that. Okay, so I want to share an analogy with you on why this is so important. And then I want to talk about what you're trying to achieve when you are managing upwards, and when you are scoping out new pieces of work. So the analogy that I wanna share with you on this is the analogy of buying a home and doing an inspection of the home before you purchase the home. So I actually have never bought a home before, But I'm at the phase in life and like the age where a lot of my friends are buying their first homes or they already have bought their first homes. And what I've seen through observation, (laughs) just watching from the outside, is it appears to me that it's a very long process. And it's not like going in a store and buying something. There's this long, drawn-out process of searching for homes, but then even when you find the home that you want, it's not over then. You have to do a whole bunch of things. And what I've noticed is one of the things that seems to take a long time in the home buying process, like I said, I've never done this, just watching from the outside, is the inspection of the home. And making sure that, I don't know, the inside of the home doesn't have anything in it that would make you not want to buy the home. Now, this is so important, right? Because a home that you find can be like so beautiful and it can be your dream home and you can literally love everything about it. But if you buy it without an inspection, you could end up with a really, really big problem on your hands and really, really regretting it. And that's why it's worth it to slow down, right? Because the inspection can slow things down. It can put so much more time between you actually getting to like get into that house and move into the house that you bought. But you're willing to do it because you know that if you move into that house and you skip the inspection and then you discover something really not good, then that's going to be even worse. And I want you to think about slowing down to scope your projects and manage upwards. I want you to think about that as being like a home inspection, where when your boss hands you a new project, it's as if they're handing you a home and you're about to buy it but before you buy it you want to make sure to go through an inspection because when your boss hands you a project if you just dive into it without slowing down and scoping it just like if you were to just you know buy the house without inspecting it could lead to negative consequences down the road so if you don't slow down to understand what is it that your boss wants from you? What is the level of detail and rigor that they're expecting? What do they consider a reasonable timeline versus what do you consider a reasonable timeline? If you don't slow down to quote unquote scope and inspect and manage upwards, what could happen is you end up working on something that becomes very, very stressful or very hard to manage. And some of that, could have been avoided through scoping. So here is what you achieve when you slow down and you take the project that you've been asked to do and you come up with a plan and a timeline and milestones for how you're going to execute that project, aka you scope the project and you manage upwards, like you manage those upwards expectations. Here's the benefits of it and why it's so important, similar to a home inspection, and why it's something that I recommend you never, ever skip doing. The first is, and this is so important, it avoids miscommunication. This is so important. When we get asked to do something, we understand it one way, and we assume that the way that we understood it is the way that the other person meant it. And I would say sometimes that is the case. Sometimes our understanding of what we're asked to do matches up wonderfully with the understanding of the person who asked us to do it. However, I would say probably about half the time, that's not the case. Half the time, what our boss is thinking isn't fully matching up With what we are thinking. This is not because we're thinking quote-unquote wrong or your boss is thinking quote-unquote wrong. There is no wrong or right in this paradigm. This is simply because we see and understand the world differently as humans. We have different ways of expressing ideas and understanding ideas. So it's completely 100% natural that a good chunk of the time what one person understands to be A, another person could look at that very same project description and understand it to be B. This is why the skill of communication and executive communication is so important, right? Because if we accept that premise that, you know, about 50% of the time we're clicking and we both understand it the the same way, but the other 50% of the time, We're kind of each seeing something different. If we accept that premise as true, then it becomes so important for you to be able to communicate clearly and crisply and effectively what you understand the project to be. And when that is clear and crisp, that avoids the miscommunication between you and your boss. And here's what I'll say. This is so important. When people ask you to do something and this is at all levels of an organization, they often they're not clear in their own head. So never assume that the person who has asked you what to do is totally clear on what they want. Assume they are unclear on what they want and that it's your job to help them get clear. A huge mindset thing that I see come up is that people assume that their boss is so smart and so knowledgeable and so intellectually perfect that if their boss gives them an assignment and they don't know exactly how to do it, it must be because they're not smart and it must be because they are misunderstanding something their boss said or they are not as smart as their boss or their boss has a special understanding of things and special knowledge and special intellect that they don't have and they're missing something and something must be wrong with them. I want you to notice when your mind does that and I want you to like, Put all of those thoughts to the side and remember this podcast episode. And remember that a huge amount of the time, leaders and executives are distracted and they don't always do the best job at clearly asking you for the help, the support, the project that they want you to work on. And that's okay. That's normal. That's a thing that happens in organizations and it's going to happen and it's. It's just part of the process, and your job when you get an assignment is to assume that no one's on the same page, that it hasn't been well thought through, and that it is your job to play it back, to communicate it back to the person who asked you to do it to confirm that you are both on the same page, and you are doing them an enormous, enormous favor. Let's turn the tables, right? Let's turn the tables. I want you to imagine you are super busy and you have to give a project to someone on your team to do and your brain is stretched in a million different directions and you're like, oh my God, I don't even have time to explain this to them, but I don't have time to do this myself. And I want you to imagine that you send your team member, your direct report, an email and you say like, hey, I'm super busy, but I need you to do like this project. Like, can you do it? And I want you to imagine that they respond to you and they say, Sure, I'm gonna go ahead and map out the outcomes of this project, the details, what it's gonna look like, and I'll grab time and I'll walk you through it. Can you feel what a relief that would be for your team member to be like, Yeah, like, no problem. Let me think this through. Let me come back to you. I will help you clarify your own needs. It feels like a relief, right? You're like, Oh my gosh this brings me to the second benefit of doing this. So the first benefit I mentioned was it avoids miscommunication. But the second benefit, which is even better, is it shows an enormous amount of leadership. Enormous. Because what you're saying and like what your direct report is saying to you in that example is like, I'm on top of this. I've got this. I know this is important to you. And I'm going to make sure that we understand this correctly, that we scope this correctly, that you have what you need, that we're going in the right direction. And when a boss hears that from their direct report, that boss knows I can mentally disengage from this project because my direct report is so on it. They're not just on it and that they're going to start doing it and I'm going to have to stress about whether they're even doing what I need they're on it and that they're thinking about it. They're thinking about it for me. They're going to come back to me and help me think about it because I am so busy and my mind is stretched in a lot of different directions. And now I can turn my attention to think about other things. So it makes your boss's life so much easier and it shows that you are stepping into greater leadership and you're not just there to blindly execute on what you're told, but you're there to scope it to pressure test it, to set it up for success, to help clarify it, to help your boss understand what they need. You are elevating your work to a much higher level and you are contributing in a deeper way when you slow down to take those steps rather than just jumping into execution. So that's the second benefit. It shows leadership. The third benefit of doing this, of slowing down to scope out the project. And like I said, we'll talk about how to do that in part two. But the third benefit is that it leads you to better outcomes. Because when you slow down to make sure you know what is being asked for, it sets you up for a higher quality execution and a higher quality result. The more that you slow down to manage up to scope your work, to help leadership at your company, to help your boss understand what it is they are asking you to do, the more that you take on that role, the higher quality your project execution and outcomes will be. And the final benefit of doing this is that it allows you to anticipate and get ahead of obstacles at the front end of the project rather than when you're already in the project. So when you slow down to think about what are we doing here? Why are we doing it? How are we doing it? On what timeline? Who's gonna be helping? What's the level of detail? What's the cadence of execution? What are the key milestones? When you slow down to answer all of those questions, you start to see potential roadblocks that could come up and you can solve for those before the project is in full on execution mode, which is going to be a lot easier. Because when the project is in full-on execution mode and the obstacles come up, it is going to be way more stressful because you're going to be in it. And those obstacles are going to feel way more urgent and way more sticky. As you scope the project, you look at the timeline, you look at who's involved, you look at the deliverables. Naturally, some of the obstacles are going to pop up Through that process. And not only are you going to be able to plan for them ahead of time before everyone's like in high stress mode and on deadlines and all that stuff, but it's also going to make you look so good because you're coming back to your boss and to leadership, not just with a plan, right? But with forethought and saying, hey, listen, here's the timeline, here's the goal, here's what we're going to be doing. Before we dig into this, there are some important trade-offs that we want to explore together to set up this project for a successful outcome. So let's slow down and talk about those and align on the path that we want to take. When you do that and you bring up those obstacles and challenges proactively in that way, that's when the obstacles make you look good. Like you look good for bringing up the obstacles and helping everyone solve them versus you're working on a project and then it's blowing up and all these obstacles are popping up, right? Not that you can't handle that. You can still handle that like a champ. You can still exude so much leadership when that happens. But when you see ahead and bring up these things ahead of time and help people solve them ahead of time, you look like a genius And what leadership sees is like, oh my goodness, she's thinking about all of the things. She's setting us up for success. She's making sure we don't go off the rails. She's getting us exactly what we need. Let's make sure to put her on every single project, right? So what I'm hoping that you see and are feeling through this part one of this episode is feeling what it's like for your leadership when you slow down to scope and clarify a project and manage expectations upwards before diving in. It makes you look like a leader. It makes you look highly competent. It makes you look like you are really on top of your shiz and it you become critical for success because you're operating at a higher level than you would be if you just jumped in and executed and that higher level of you operating and executing gets noticed right it gets felt and noticed by your boss and by leaders around you and when they see that they are going to want to put you on more things right because The most important projects that they have, they want to match with people who are going to execute those at the highest level. And this is really a way that you are going to show people that you know how to do that. So we now need to set you up to get really, really good at doing that, which is what we're going to do in part two. So in part two, I'm going to walk you through what it looks like to scope a project And I'm even going to share an actual resource with you that you can use to scope your projects like actual PowerPoint pages that you can just download and use as templates so that you have a clear, crisp, powerful way to communicate to your stakeholders exactly how you plan to get your project across the finish line and create success for everyone around you. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you love this, if you found this helpful, if this fired you up and motivated you, please share it with a friend who you think would be equally fired up and equally motivated to take their confidence, their career and their leadership to the next level. I so appreciate when you share the show. It helps me because more people find my show And it helps the person you're sharing it with because if you don't share it with them, they might not even know that this whole archive of podcast episodes exists. So I appreciate that so much. And I will catch you in part two of this episode series. See you there.